Welcome to the Law of the Future podcast with Dennis Hilleman. This podcast is all about technology, politics and law. Dennis Hilleman is a partner in an international law firm. He wants to change our mind on regulating new technologies. All opinions expressed in the podcast are the personal opinions of Dennis or his guests. And here is Dennis. Hi everyone, this is Dennis speaking. Happy New Year 2021. I hope it will be a safe one and a successful one for you and a better year for all of us after the really stressful 2020. As you might have noticed, I have rebranded the podcast. Um, it's not like I leave blockchain as such behind, but Naming the podcast for Blockchain Lawyer made it a little difficult to talk about other subjects. And lately I noticed that I really would love to talk about new subjects. So this is why I renamed the podcast to The Law of the Future. So that we can really talk and discuss things that run through my mind that I witness when working in the law field and when talking to people especially the things that move us when it comes to technology, to politics and law. And it's also a promise that I will be more up to date with podcasting again, because now I feel much more free to podcast on topics that move me. We will also still talk about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, but we'll also talk about a lot of different things and I promise that you will hear my personal opinion on these matters. They might not be the best opinions and you might not agree with them, but at least they are my personal opinions. And maybe they will make you think about new approaches to regulation. But maybe you will also tell me about the podcast episodes then, Dennis, you're so wrong and you will help me change my mind and think in different ways as well. So I hope we can get into a good discussion with the new branding of this podcast. That's why today we're not talking about blockchain, but I want to approach a subject that probably really moved all of us lately. And that's, of course, the question of Donald Trump and his behavior concerning the Capitol riots, the invasion of a Capitol by people who support him. And moreover, I want to focus on the role of social media and the banning of Donald Trump by Twitter and other platforms. And I want to discuss, is this what democracy is like when it comes to social medias and how they choose who to ban? Because let's look at this. We all know that Twitter, and of course, there were also other social media platforms involved, but I now want to focus on Twitter. We all know that Twitter suspended Trump after the Capitol invasion for, I think, 48 hours at first, because he didn't actually, at first, start to tell people that they are very wrong about it. You know, all know his messages and the way he behaved. I don't want to go into detail with that again at this point. And then we had the decision that Twitter banned his account forever. 
And I wonder if you're a Twitter um, manager at this time, is your head spinning? Because when I look back at first, Twitter was under such heavy critics for still having Trump tweeting on whatever he liked. Of course, we made a warning sign to it, his tweets, especially those about uh, fake news about the election steal that he claimed to know about. But they let him tweet anyway. And he could reach still hundreds of millions of people via his tweets, not only by through his followers, but moreover because his tweets were all over the media all the time. Then the Capitol events happened. We saw Trump tweeting. We saw the video messages that he gave after that. And that he even claimed he loved the people who went into the Capitol because, from his point of view, they were fighting for him and the U.S. freedom, whatever. So Twitter was under heavy critics then. Then Twitter suspended Trump at first and then banned him permanently. And then Twitter got criticized again. Even the German government criticized that it was probably not upon Twitter to decide if Trump should be banned from the platform. Even the German government said that they would see this in a very critical way. And I mean, wow, what should Twitter have done? Let's, let's look at this. Did Twitter act too late? I can't say that. But I mean, at least this discussion already is not the right discussion. Because if you witness someone doing something wrong 99 times, should you not stop him the hundredth of time? What's the sense in saying, hey, you let Trump act like this for months, maybe for years, so it's wrong that you act now? If it's wrong, what he does? when it's still right to act, even if you didn't act in the past. So I don't see anything that could lead us into better regulation or better discussing this topic if we focus on the fact that Twitter act in the past. And the question B is when, for example, the German government now states that it was not right to have Twitter suspend Trump, at least that's what Chancellor Merkel hinted at. Um, then we got to ask ourselves, who else should have banned Trump? Who, who else should have made that decision? And I think so these questions don't lead us ahead because what would have been the consequences? Would have been the consequences to leave Trump on Twitter? Because now it was too late and now there was nobody official outside of Twitter to decide on the banning of his account. That totally doesn't make sense uh, to me. I think that the whole Trump scenario leads us back to the old question, how can we regulate social media? 
should we regulate social media? And the old question is, how can we prevent that criminal acts on social media are spread all over the world? I think when we discuss this, we always forget one big thing. Social media is already regulated. Why? Because all national and international laws apply to social media. If a German citizen commits a crime on Twitter, then he can be persecuted by German law. We don't need any specific Twitter law for that. If he insults someone, if he asks for rioting against the government, then he can be persecuted. So, if we look at that, the first thing that we always must ask ourselves when it comes to the discussion of regulating social media, it's more of a question of do we actually enforce the laws that are already applicable to social media? And I think often enough that's not done. And why is this not done? Because we have two real problems that we should actually talk about. The real problem when it comes to social media is A, that it's international, and B, that there is a sheer amount of things, so many postings, so many things happening, that the law enforcement cannot keep track with it. Let's start with the last problem. People ask that law enforcement should check the social media and then persecute the criminal acts that it sees on that. Of course, it should do that. If, for example, a police officer or a prosecutor is informed about a criminal act on Twitter going on or any other social media platform, then, of course, it's within its responsibility to act. Because that's what they are for. But of course, there's a sheer amount of things going on very fast that can hurt people or, as we see now, institutions so badly that we must be aware and we must acknowledge that our police and our prosecutors will not be able to solve the problem. The problem of criminal acts of people getting hurt, of institutions getting hurt, of democracies getting hurt on social media will not be solved by calling our police or our law enforcement to act because the sheer amount of things going on on such platforms makes it absolutely impossible to act at once and to act in such an effective manner where it will not happen again. Sorry to be so blunt, but we all have to accept that. So if we talk about social media becoming not such a place full of acts against humanity or democracies or against certain people, not be so racist, not be so full of people wanting to commit crimes, then we must be aware that only the companies that run these social media apps will be able to solve a problem. That is my personal point of view. 
you will not have the US police, the US law enforcement, the European institutions, or even any other institutions in the world solve the problem from the core. The only people that can solve a problem from the core on a day-to-day basis are the platform owners themselves. So that is why we must keep them responsible. And that is why I'm always very, very reluctant when I listen on the media that it should not be upon Twitter to decide who to ban. Because I always ask myself, who else should decide that? Second, if we can't handle the sheer amount of things going on on social media that could be criminal or hurt our democracies, then we must also be aware and acknowledge that we can handle it well because it's all happening on an international level. I mean, here, look at me. I'm sitting in Hamburg, Germany, also in the lockdown again, and I'm aware of what Donald Trump tweets. It's all over German media as well, be it television or be it be it press, whatever. It's all over German media. And can the German government do anything about these tweets? Of course not. Can the European Union do anything about these tweets? No way. So the international level has it as a problem that from an international point of view, people can can act legally under national law and still hurt law in other member state in other states all the time. A very popular um, person who does that, for example, uh, for Germany, is uh, a singer, a very well colorful person. The Wendler, he's called the Wendler. He had like he had like stupid songs where people made dance on Mallorca, and he was all over what I would call trash TV in Germany, like appearing on all kinds of reality shows and acting just a little, acting just stupid. When he broke up with his wife, um, he and he now lives in the U.S. and he he actually married. A friend of his daughter who was 18 or 19. I have no clue. I'm not so into that at all. So that guy lives in the US. And what does this guy do now during the pandemic? He starts to promote on Telegram and other platforms that the German government is acting illegal by keeping the people in a lockdown. He's even hinting at that. The German government is actually not acting any different than it was acting during the Second World War and stuff like that. All kind of stupid things. So Germany can't stop that. Why can't Germany stop that? Because he's in the US. And while I'm not an US lawyer, I'm of course aware that freedom of speech is a little different in the US and allows a little more than here. So basically, he can do stuff from the U.S. in a legal way that hurts Germany and that can influence people in Germany in a bad way. So we look at this international level. We, I think we all must be aware that basically only international organizations will be able to solve a problem. 
view at this point takes an approach by drafting a regulation that is aimed at such media platforms that are international with more than 100 million people on it. I don't want to go into details at this point because that's not the subject. Because even if the European Union does that, look back at my case with the Wendler who's in the US and can still hurt people here. This will not work either. I personally think if we want to have good regulation, then we must act on an international level. And I'm thinking of G7 or G20, who should agree on basic rules for social media and then implement it in national law that something that is illegal would be illegal in this way all over the world. And then I think that the best regulation for all these platforms will only come by self-regulation. What does that mean? In media, Germany had a, for a long time an approach that the politics did not regulate everything. They pretty much put the media companies under pressure and said to keep your freedom and to be very, very free in the way you still act, you must comply, of course, with the law. But since it's upon you to decide how you can comply with the law, we impose self-regulation on you, meaning you must be part of associations or different organizations that you form and you put money in, you have to finance them, they oversee you, and they have the power to overrule your own decisions. And as long as these organizations that are funded by you work, as long as that is fine, we don't act. But as soon as we don't uh, act anymore, as, we, as soon as we don't work anymore, then you get regulation from the parliament and you might not like it. So what I'm saying is, do we, don't we need a self-regulation from the social media companies that must apply rules on the social media companies that they all, can, all must comply with? Perhaps at a, perhaps under a certain size. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, which is part of a Facebook company I know. TikTok, such companies should look at this. And what the lawmakers do is they give them basic rules. For example, such rules internationally agreed on. And they enforce these rules on the associations that run the self-regulation. Meaning, if we witness that the companies that are part of your organization of self-regulation don't comply with the basic rules we give, then we start regulating and controlling you and basically saying this will get much worse for you. And through self-regulation, the companies that run social media can decide much better how they can do that. Because of that, that's of course something that's also always mentioned, like 
the parliaments, the national parliaments or even the international organizations don't actually really know how to regulate social media because they don't understand the business model, they don't understand the algorithms, they don't understand how it works. Hey, the business companies that run these social media platforms, they know how it works. And so I personally think they also know how they can handle things, how they can make sure that there are not so much criminal actions going on on that. And also you can, of course, then get official statements, for example, by such an organization of self-regulation on how these companies should act in similar cases like Trump in the future. You might find this all too idealistic. I'm aware of that. But tell me, what's the, what else should we do? We have business models that are international. We have business models that are based on communication by hundred millions of people. That is something new that has never been before in the history of democracies since the first democracies emerged in the US and France. Never before we had such business models and such international impact on our freedom of speech and our public opinion building. And this is why I think we must have approaches that match these challenges. And I only think that we can get actually to a better point where social media is still big, still very free, and still plays a big role without suppression of freedom of speech if we make the social media companies regulate themselves. Perhaps my thought. But let's go back to Donald Trump. Should Twitter not have banned him? And was it wrong that Twitter decided them? I absolutely don't think so. And here's why. Donald Trump either wanted people to storm the Capitol, or at least he was not against it. I don't want to judge on that. But I think even Republicans in the U.S. know that the president acted wrong. And that is why some of them even support the impeachment procedure by the Democrats. And we must be aware that our democracies are under constant threat. They are under threat by external factors, other states, terrorism but they are also under threat by internal factors. And that's nothing new. In 1918, 1919, the New Republic of Germany was founded after the First World War, the Weimar Republic, what it was called, since the parliament started there in Weimar. And if we look at that, um, if we look back at that, this was a democracy from, from its constitution, but it had failures, it had weaknesses, because it allowed the worst enemies of a democracy to seize it. And you know, we're talking about Hitler and the Nazis. They came to power through the democratic procedures. 
And since then, we all must be very much aware of the fact that we must protect our democracies also from threats from within. We must have democracies that fight back against threats from within. Now, what does that have to do with social media? Let's take a step back. If you have someone fighting against the state, the state will fight back. That's the simple citizen and state relationship. If you are run against the public authorities, then the public authorities fight back. That's just law enforcement and common logics. And of course, if you do something that is absolutely legal by the law, by, for example, expressing your uh, free speech and the state wants to suppress that, then you can go to court and fight the state. That's what courts are for. So that's where all our basic values of freedoms that are based in our constitutions come into play and give us both restraints, what, can I, what can't I do, and freedom, what can I do. Now, when it comes to social media, we're basically not in a civilian-to-state relationship, but in a civilian-to-civilian relationship. We are in a relationship where I post something on Twitter and other civilians read that. So I have a relationship between civilian me, civilian company Twitter, and civilians who read my post. Another big question is, don't all values apply in these relationships as well? And of course they do. That's the main thing. Our values don't stop as such in the citizen-to-state relationship. The basic freedoms that we are given by our constitutions are also expressions of values that our societies are based on. And we must act on base of these rules, of these values, also in a citizen-to-citizen relationship. It's much more freedom there. Like the state, of course, has much more restraints than people act, acting together or communicating with each other. But there are still restraints to all of that. For example, the pride of man and, of course, the not hurting of personality of uh, of bodies not insult anyone because that up that comes from basic values that are expressed in our constitution to protect the physical and psychological well-being of others or the religious beliefs of others so even twitter is based on these values twitter even uses these values by allowing people in millions of times to express the freedom of speeches. They base their business model on these values, on these freedoms. And if they base their business model on these freedoms, they must also comply with the restraints. And it means that such business models that use freedom of speech must also be in compliance with restraints of freedom of speech. And that also uh, complies with the defense of democracy. If we have enemies of democracy on such platforms, when these platforms have the absolute responsibility 
to also fight against such enemies and suppress them. And that is even more so, even more so, if these enemies act as representative of a state, as a, as even if they act as someone representing the state. Because Donald Trump used Twitter as the US president to promote his ideas and to tweet his political decisions 24-7. And Twitter made a lot of money probably by that. But in that moment that a political actor or even a representative of the state uses freedoms given by the constitutions to act against the values of the constitution, and also Twitter is responsible to stop that. Because our democracies need us and especially need platforms that play a big role in public opinion building to act against enemies of a democracy. There's no freedom if you can't defend our democracy and our constitutions. There will be no freedom. And that is why that platforms that use democracy, that are based on democracy, that are based on freedom of speech, that are based on values given by our constitutions, that have a business model built on our constitutions, must stay within these constitutions. And if members and groups work against the constitution, then these companies must be held reliable and responsible to also defend our democracy. Everything else will lead back to events that we already had in our history and we don't want that to come back. So I'm not against banning Trump from Twitter. I'm not against Twitter making that decision. I think it was right. But what I want is that the international community acts together to work on regulation of social media. And I don't think that you can have tons of regulation in different ways in all countries, or at least in the Western countries that are democracies. I think you need to outline basic rules on an international level that applies to such companies and then heavily impose these on these companies and by and the control that the companies actually comply with these rules must be done through self-regulation. They must form associations that control them. And there must always be the threat, if you don't get your act together, then we will get it for you and we will cost you much more money and destroy your business models. So that's what I think about this problem. And I hope that maybe you will think about it too. Let me know what you think about it. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me discuss with you. And I hope you come back to my new podcast, The Law of the Future, and we stay in touch. Until next time. Hey, do you want to be part of a network of lawyers and IT experts discussing blockchain? Do you want to learn about blockchain and law? Then join the Blockchain Lawyers Network for free.
go to www.blockshawandlawyersnetwork.com and be part of a great community. Thank you.